have an announcement to make. Uh, 21 days before Christmas. When you say 21 days before Christmas, you get two different responses. If you're an adult, you got a shopping list and you're saying, 21 days, golly, it's going to hear before I know it. If you're a child, 21 days, that's forever. But there's anticipation. I just be walking the building and you see a Christmas tree. When you walk in the worship center, you see the lights and, uh, and the greenery. And there's this anticipation because this comes every year. And we're kind of used to it. We, we sort of expect it. Uh, I'm going to try something today in today's message. I'm going to ask you to kind of play along with me and to, and to go with me on this. I want you to pretend like you've never heard of Christmas before. Okay? You don't know anything about it. You don't know anything about what it means. Don't know it's a holiday or anything. It's just, this is all new to you. It's almost as if I'm introducing something to you. So see if you can go there, and, uh, and we'll see if we, can, if we can pull this off. It's found in John chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you could turn to John 1 or go on your mobile device. Uh, we'll have the scriptures up here also. But John is a gospel. Uh, there are four gospels in the New Testament. John is the fourth gospel. And most of the times we look at the Christmas story, we look at Matthew and, and Luke But um, I want us today to enter in as if there there was no Christmas that we knew of. And I am explaining something to you for the first time. And if I went to John chapter 1, I would look at the very first verse. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when I start out and say, in the beginning, often we go and think about Genesis 1-1. When it talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, this is going to the very beginning. And it says, in the beginning was the Word. Okay? In the beginning was the Word. That means that in the beginning, before anything was created, there was the Word. So the Word existed from the very beginning. And it says, and the Word was with God. That means that the Word existed with God. There was a continual existence. And when you think about Word, it then says, and the Word was God. In the beginning was Word, it was with God, and it was God. And it uses that phrase, the Word. In Psalm 33, 6, it says, by the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So this is the creative agent, the Word. And when the universe was brought into existence, the divine word by which it was brought into existence was already there. In the beginning was God, right here. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. When it says he was with God, that literally means he was face to face with God. It meant that the word was communing with God. There was an interaction. So when we think about God created the world, then all of a sudden there's the Word who was coexistent with God at the same time. And this Word here is who we know today is Jesus, the Son of God. And it says, and the Word was God. So it wasn't like the Word was subservient or or was uh, like a minor God. It was God. There's equality. There's God And there's his son, Jesus. And there's this ongoing existence and this ongoing relationship. 
And then he says a little bit further. In verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. He was always there. And then you get to verse 3. And it says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him. And so for you in the congregation, you would say, I've heard of God. And I would say, in the beginning, God created. But it's now saying that the agent of creation is the word. That's his son, Jesus. God created it, but how did he do it? He did it through his son. So Jesus was the agent of creation. So everything that was created, it came through him. He was the agent of creation. All things were made through him. The Apostle Paul in, the, in 1 Corinthians 8 talks a little bit more about this. Look what he says. He says, but we know that there is only one God, the Father, who created everything and we live for him. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything and through whom we have been given life. Jesus is the agent of creation and at the same time he is the awarder of life. He is the one who gives us life. Verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the one that's given us life. And he's given us this, and he is this light that is in men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In this verse, it says we exist only because God made us. And we have special gifts only because God gave them to us. And with God, we have value, we have uniqueness, and apart from him, we have nothing. He created us. And then it says in verse 5 that this light shines in the dark places in our world, and this light shines in the dark places of our life, and the darkness cannot overcome it or it cannot overpower it because light always dispels darkness. We could turn every light out in this place and then just light up a cell phone and all of a sudden darkness would be dispelled. And the more everybody lit up their cell phones, the more this thing would just dispel more and more darkness. The light is powerful. And it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and was with God. And this is His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the agent of creation and it says He's the light of men. Okay, sounds pretty good. Well, then you come to verse 6. And it says, and there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Not the John that wrote this, but John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. You know the light we were talking about, verses 4 and 5, the word, the light? He's telling people about him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now, if you go back about 500 years, there were prophets that were talking about the light. And they said, one day the light's going to come. And then there was a silent period for about 400 years. And now all of a sudden there began to be this interest that this Messiah could be coming. And then John the Baptist comes and he says, I have been anointed. And I've been anointed to tell you about the one who's getting ready to come. And they say, were you the light? He said, oh, no. He said, man, the one who's coming after me, I, I can't even tie his sneakers. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, this is unbelievable. I'm getting ready to tell you. I mean, this is, uh, this is the Messiah that's coming. It's one who's going to come with judgment and power. And so he talked about the light. It's like when you go to the movies and, uh, and you sit through all the coming attractions and you watch a little preview and then it says coming in the summer of 2017 or so. And it's like, whoa, 
I can't wait for that. Well, they showed a coming attractions film about 400 years ago, and uh, they said, coming to a theater near you, and, and it took forever. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes up, and he, he's showing the previews, and he's saying, it's coming soon. I mean, it's, it's coming, coming soon. Okay. So John the Baptist kind of got people excited over here. And then you come to verse 9. This is a, this is a verse you want to camp on. He says, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. The true light, the one we just talked about, verses four and five, the true light, that means it's a perfect light. It is a light that is right. It is a light that is honest, opposed to something that would be fictitious or would be counterfeit. The true light that enlightens everybody was coming into the world. The light that created us and that gave us light. The light that enlightens everyone. That means that this light enlightens everyone. That includes every person sitting in this worship center, every person in the world. It says it enlightens everyone. It means spiritually it will illuminate them. It will help them to understand their purpose in life. It will understand why they were born, why they were created. It opens up uh, the understanding as to your whole purpose and why you're here. Wow. That light... The true light, the light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Whoa. It's coming. It's coming into the world. Jesus the light who had existed from the beginning, who was the agent of creation, the one who gave us light, life, this true light is coming from heaven to earth. The word is becoming flesh and was going to dwell among us. And this is getting ready to happen. I just put on your thinking caps for just a moment. And I've got to walk all the way over here because we put this stage up once a year. And I'm going to step on it just because I love it. Okay. Just think. And you guys, y'all are always so left out, aren't you? No one ever comes over and sees you. And the choir, you don't know who I am. Okay. You know who I am now? Okay. That's good. Now. Oh, that's the guy that's been preaching. We don't know who you were. This light, the agent of creation, the one who from the beginning of time spoke the word, created the world, created you and me, he is stepping out of heaven and is going to come to earth and is going to put on flesh as a human and is going to live with us. Now, if I told you that, what would your response be? Would you say, well, I don't think I got time for that. You know, there's some good ball games on. I'm going to watch uh, over here. What are you going to do? You're going to say, that's incredible. Did, would you not say that? Would that not be unbelievable? You know, we get excited when some famous person comes in town. Everybody goes, ooh, they're going to speak to us for 20 minutes. Let's go see them. This is the light, the word, the creation, the agent of creation is going to come and he's going to step onto earth. And he's going to put human flesh. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard that, I'd want to be there. I'd want to be where it is that he's going to be showing up. And I want to be a part, and today, I'd get a selfie with him. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Hey, look, hanging out with the Word. The Word! He is the light. I mean, everybody's going to want to do that. And this is what Christmas, this is Christmas. You go, Christmas? That's what Christmas is? Yes. This is what Christmas is. 
The light, the true light, the perfect light is coming here on earth in flesh and he does it on what we call Christmas Day. Is that not a great thing? Well, no wonder you get all excited. No wonder you get hyped up on that. Nothing could be better than this. Everybody should be excited about that. And if we were walking through this for the very first time, I think that if we took a poll, I would say, how many of you think that people would be excited about that? I think we'd almost get 100%. Does that make sense to you? Is that not exciting? Would you not want to see that? That'd get me pretty well pumped. And I said, well, what's the next verse say? Does the next verse say that he came and everybody put a big parade for him and everybody said, hey, this is wonderful? Look at verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What? In verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. New Living Translation says, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. You say, get out of town. You're making that up. Who, who, who would reject the light? Who would reject the agent of creation? The word says that they rejected him. He came, and as he came, and he took on flesh, and he lived among us, that when he lived among us, guess what we did? We rejected him. Are you serious? rejected him but why see that's the question that I would have to have why in the world would he be rejected Jesus is the true light he reveals truth about God his character our purposes yet there were some people that rejected him and yet there were some people that accepted him so why would anybody reject him well in our message, let's talk about why you'd reject him and then why you would accept him. People reject the light because of one thing. Because it reveals actions and motives and it expects you to do something about it. It reveals actions and motives and expects you to do something about it. People reject the light because Jesus is who he said he is. I am the true light. I am the perfect light. And that's where the problem is. You see, he's the true light. There's nothing false about him. He's the true light. And the people rejected him because in John 3, 19 through 20, it explains it. He says it like this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You see, the true light reveals everything. It does not compromise. It's not politically correct. It does not play favorites. It reveals attitudes actions and motives as clearly as walking in the sunlight reveals that salsa stain on your shirt that you thought got washed out and it didn't quite happen you ever done that how many people are chipping dippers just raise your hand real quick how many people oh all right now keep your hands up chipper dipper keep your hands up how many of you have ever spilled salsa on your shirt keep your hands up 
Well, there we go. Even found some people didn't chip and dip and said they spilled sauce on their shirt. I don't know how they did it, but hey, you've done it. And then you try to wipe it off, and then you put it, and you get it washed, and you think everything's good. You got it in your closet. You take it out of the closet. It's not a great light in the closet. You put it on. You walk outside, and soon enough, you walk out to your meeting. What happens? I got a spot right here. Guess what happened? The true light revealed that stain. It revealed that spot. And then you spend the rest of the day trying to cover it up. You know, hey, I'm kind of a Pledge of Allegiance guy or so. And, uh, you know, and you always, hey, you're on my heart, man. You're just on my heart. I just, I just love you, brother. You want to shake hands? Yeah, let's shake hands. Yeah, good to see you there. Good. Because you want to cover that up. You don't want them to see the stain. And so what happens is, is that when the true light, the agent of creation, the one who created us, who loves us, when he shines that light on us, we don't want that. And so what happens is we reject the light. And there's some of these actions and attitudes that you really don't want to be revealed. That lack of forgiveness and holding on to a wrong that was done to you in the past. That ability to build walls of bitterness and continue to make excuses of why you can't move forward. The true light shines into your heart. It illuminates these crippling attitudes and it shows you the value of forgiveness and letting go of bitterness. But you don't want that. You'd rather hold on to the bitterness and the excuses than to embrace a loving Savior and accept his wisdom of how to move forward. For some, it's you're hedging on the truth to make a business deal or you're crossing the ethical line so as to make the sale and get the additional bonus or to lie on your expense report so that you can have more money to get more stuff, bigger house, nicer car, larger boat, more expensive toys. But the true light shines on those actions and it reveals the dishonesty. And it talks not about, it talks about not lying or stealing and talks about living a life of integrity. But you don't want that. You'd rather have the stuff than serve a loving Savior. You're not being faithful to your spouse you're involved in sensuality that is fracturing your relationship. And when the true light shines on your heart, it exposes the cesspool of activity and it says, flee sexual immorality, but you don't want that. You'd rather justify serving the goddess of sensuality than to surrender your life to a loving Savior. You see, you need to get something in your system to help cope and to make it through another day so you stock up on prescription drugs or illegal drugs or alcohol. And you think you can fool everybody, but the true light reveals a life that is scared and hurting, and it offers an alternative of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. But you don't want to give up control of your life to God. You would rather choose to be a slave to the life-draining substances than a servant to a loving Savior. And when the true light shines in the world and you see racial inequality, you really don't want to do anything about it. And then the true light shines in your world and you see hunger and homelessness and trafficking and abandoned children needing homes, and you really don't want to see that. You see, life is easier in your over-the-mountain bubble when you're not confronted with these issues and you really don't want to be reminded or burdened about them. You would rather live in a cloistered world of denial 
than to be challenged by Jesus' word to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He came to his own, and his own people rejected him. It's because they didn't want to see the light. It's called the true light, the perfect light. And it's the light that Jesus Christ shines into our lives. It's not something that a pastor says to try to put some guilt trip or send you in a direction. It's not something someone on TV says or someone else says. It is what's called the Holy Spirit. It's called God himself that turns on that searchlight, that spotlight in your life, and you are confronted with the real truth. And you can't argue with it. You can argue with a pastor all day. You can argue with a talk show host. You can argue with uh, friends and other people. You can argue with them. But when suddenly you open up God's word and the light shines into your heart and it reveals these things, a lot of us, we just don't want it. And so we do verse 10 and 11 and we reject the light. And the way we set this message up at the beginning, it was almost unconscionable that anybody would want to reject the light. But once that true light comes and it begins to shine on us, the salsa stains get kind of big. And the other actions and things that we do, and we say, you know what? It's just easier to push that aside and reject that light. Mm. And that is so sad. Because if you accept the light, wow, look what's getting ready to come. Why would you accept the light? Well, the first reason is to become a child of God. Now, that's a great offer. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, but, okay, all these others rejected the light. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Whoa. So when the light came, And those who accepted the light, he gave them the right, he gave them the privilege to become a child of God. He gave you the capacity, the authority to be a child of God. You've got your family. I've got my family. I'm Danny Wood. My parents are Lee and Charlie Wood. My sister's Carolyn. We are a family. That's my namesake. But when I made the decision to receive Christ as my Savior, when that light came into the world and that light was revealed to me and I understood who he was and that he was the son of God and that the son of God came because I was a sinner and all my sins were separating me from a holy God and when he came and he taught and he showed me who God was like and then he went to a cross to die on the cross for my sins he says Danny I'm paying the penalty for you because I want you to be a part of my family and I'm paying it all I'm paying the whole cost And he goes to the cross, he dies for our sins, and his body is taken down in some of the saddest days when they think, apparently he cannot be the son of God, he's dead. But then three days later, he raises from the dead, and he says, I've conquered sin, I've conquered death, and guess what? I've conquered all of these, and I want to present that gift to you, and if you receive this gift of grace, guess what comes with it? You get adopted into the family, and we'll give you one of the backpacks out there and bring you in, okay? You're adopted. You're a part of the family. You're Lee and Charlie Wood's son. That's true. But guess what? Now you're a child of the king. You're part of the family. Jesus is my brother. And that's part of my family. And I'm an heir to all the things that Jesus is an heir to. Wow. He says, if you accept the light, he said, this is what you get. 
You get to be a part of the family of God. It is the greatest privilege which God could confer on this side of eternity. Those who accept Christ as this gospel is offered to them are able to step in and become a child of God. That is the highest honor and dignity that anyone can have is to be a child of God. I don't care what you accomplish in this world. I don't care how big your resume is. I don't care what positions you attain to. They don't hold a candle to the fact that you say, I am a child of God. I am a child of the king, of the creator. Not just the fact that, oh, aren't we all God's children? No. God created everyone, but you're not God's child till you receive his son, Jesus Christ. And once you receive his son, then you become a child of God. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. But he offers it to you. You get to accept it. He's laid it all out there for you, and he puts the ball in our court. What an amazing thought we have. So this light comes, and we want to accept the light. When we accept the light, we become a child of God. The second reason we would accept the light is because light dispels darkness. Light dispels darkness. You walk into a dark room. Let's say you go into your house, and you open up. It's pitch black. When you walk into a dark room, what's the first thing that you look for? Tell me. A light switch. Thank you. Thank you. There are three people who knew what to look for when they come into a dark room. If those three people will get with me afterwards, I want to put your name down because if I'm ever in trouble, you're the three I'm going to hang out with because everyone else is going to be bumping in the walls because they don't know. No. When you walk into a room, what do you do? You look for a light switch. Isn't that right? Somewhere. Why do you look for a light switch? Students, tell me. Why am I looking for a light switch? Yeah, so you can see in the dark. Because when you turn that switch on, what should happen? The light should come on unless your dad forgot to change that light bulb, okay? And don't worry about that because your mom will chew him out. But no, all right. He said, you turn that light on. And when you turn that light switch on, what happens? The light comes on. And all of a sudden, the darkness is dispelled and you're able to navigate around the room. The great thing about it is when it says, when the light came, we have that opportunity to accept that light. And when it does, it dispels the darkness. You say, well, what do you mean by dispelling the darkness? Listen, there are many of you today who are sitting in darkness, looking for some kind of light to give you hope and to give you direction. For some, you're going through a dark night in your soul and you just need comfort and strength. Our world offers a number of counterfeit lights that don't produce what they promise. And rather than provide a light at the end of the tunnel, these so-called lights take you deeper into the recesses of the darkness of the tunnel. That is why in verse 9 it says the true light. Because there are people in this world that are promising you all kind of things. They say, oh, you want happiness? This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And it's all counterfeit. And all it'll do is take the darkness that you're in and just take you deeper into the abyss of that darkness. But there's one true light. And that one true light is what gives you ability to navigate through that dark night in your soul. In Luke 1, 78 through 79, there was, a, there was a man that was prophesying about who Jesus would be and what he would do, and this is what he said. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Look at that verse. 
because of God's tender mercy. Say, why did he send the light to earth? Because of God's tender mercy. Because he loves you so much. And it says, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us and to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What you need is a divine daybreak. You just need a divine daybreak. You are sitting in darkness and you're saying, I need, I need some light. I need a divine daybreak to happen. And in Luke, it says this divine daybreak will take place. And when that morning happens, those that are sitting in darkness, all of a sudden will get light. Those who are in the shadow of death, all of a sudden that shadow is gone. And all of a sudden they see light and they see hope and they see victory. The purpose of Christ coming into the world was that all people through him might have spiritual illumination. He's the one who created you. He's the one who knows you better than you know yourself. He's the one who loves you. He's the one who died for you and can provide you the light to move out of the darkness and give you victory over whatever you're facing, even victory over death. He is that light. And it changes everything. Changes everything. Spells the darkness. Even gives you victory over death. John Constantine is a man that many of you do not know. He's a member of our church, but he's rarely ever here, but he's one of our best members. You said, hey, I'm going to sign up for that. Uh, the reason is he's a pastor of an Arabic church in Birmingham. And so uh, as a pastor of that church, his membership is here, but he pastors an Arabic church. And we had opportunities many times to travel to the Mideast, and I've sat and listened to him as he's taught, and he's just incredible. His mother of 90 years of age, passed away this past week. And he asked me to be a part of the funeral. And um, it was about a two-hour funeral because there were family members that were sharing about this woman's life, Najla, Constantine. It was incredible. I mean, we don't have time to go into all of it, but her life is, should be a book on someone who just threw themselves out to the Lord and said, I'll live my life however you want me to live it, and I'm going to rest on on God's word. And I sat there and listened to a legacy of a 90-year-old woman who had seven children. One of them died prematurely. She's got six kids, and then she's got numerous grandkids, and that this legacy that she's handed down and I was getting ready to say something about that. And he put his arm around me and he says, I don't think you need to say that she had seven kids. She really had about 100. I said, what do you mean? And as I heard the stories, they just took people into their home. They were in Lebanon. And whenever the, someone would come and they would be teaching them stories and teaching them Bible stories, a teenager would make a decision to receive Christ. And he would go home, he would tell his mom and dad, and in one instance, a dad turned around, slapped his son in the face and says, I know you no longer get out of my house. Teenager, what do you do? The only thing he knew to do was to go to the source of the story. So he went over there to Naja Constantine, and he said, I don't know what to do. She says, come here, you'll stay with me. Some stayed with her 18 months, some stayed with her five years. Every time they sat down at their table, there was never only seven. There was 11, 12, 13, her whole life. And there were just people popping up, giving stories about how this had happened, how their lives had been impacted because of this one woman's life. You see, what light does, it dispels darkness. 
And everywhere there was darkness, this woman took the light of Christ and people who were sitting there in the shadow of death who really had no hope would come to her and they would not only hear the the light of Christ, but she, in her legacy, began to embrace them and take the light of Christ, give it to these people, take them in and change their life for eternity. Wow. You see, that attracts me. That's what I want my life to be. I don't want to be living in the shadows of darkness because there are things that I don't want to give up and these little minor things that are taking me into the abyss of darkness when I could walk over here and accept the light of Christ and begin to live a life that has eternal significance and can have an incredible impact on others. Light dispels darkness. But let me tell you the last thing, and that is that light guides your path. Light guides your path. It's kind of what the teenager said. When I asked them, oh, they turn the light on so you can see what's going on in the room, so you can walk around in the room. That's it. It guides your path. And so when we talk about the light of the world and the light has come and the true light, what that true light does, it shines into your heart. Yes, it reveals actions and motives and things, but it also provides you a pathway. And it lights up the direction that you should go in your life. Because telling you what, every one of us, there are times in our lives where we're just confused. We do not know what our next step is to be. And when we have the light, he's going to guide us. And it'll be a step at a time. We sure wish it would be way out there. But just the way God operates, he says, hey, take a step at a time. You keep trusting me. And he guides our path. And it's a voice that we need to listen to. I love that old story. That's been told many times about the... uh, the ship that's uh, out, in the, uh, out in the sea, and uh, they see a light that's approaching them. And as they're approaching this light, he gets his signalman, and he says, signal that light over there, that uh, boat over there, and tell them that they need to make an adjustment of 10 degrees south. And uh, then he gets a response back, and it says, you need to make an adjustment of 10 degrees north. Well, he kind of bowed up. He says, send him a second message. Adjust 10 degrees south. I am a captain. He waited. Response came back. Adjust 10 degrees north. I'm seaman third class Jones. Then he really got upset. He said, send one final message. Adjust 20, 10 degrees south. Adjust 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. And he waited. Finally, response came back. And he says, adjust 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Well, that's a voice you want to listen to. And you see, there are a lot of voices out there that are talking to us and that are calling out to us and trying to give us direction and they're counterfeit voices and they're counterfeit lights. But there is a true light, the voice of truth, that true light, that perfect light that's shining out there and says, hey, you know what? You need to adjust course. Need to go like 10 degrees north. Trust me, I'm here for your safety. And that's what he does. If you had to summarize all of this on Christmas, just look at the 14th verse. If you look at the 14th verse, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Christmas. 
Christmas is the Word became flesh. It dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Wow, the glory as of the only Son of the Father, and he's full of grace, and he's full of truth. This Christmas, it's not about the tinsel, it's not about the lights, it's about the light, the Son of God, the Word who came to earth in the flesh. He dwelt among us. He showed us the glory of the Father, and he comes giving us grace and giving us truth. My prayer for you is that this Christmas, you would wrap your arms around that gift of grace. This Christmas, you would accept that light, knowing that it is the true light, the light that will reveal things within us, our actions and our motives and our attitudes, and then accept that light and say, Lord, I want to follow the path that you have for me because I know that the things you have for me are for good. And the things that you have for me are going to help me to be the best person that I could be, to take all the skills that I've gotten and to use them for your honor, for your glory, and then I can be a light to others. That's a great Christmas. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much for the clarity of your word and for the gift of Jesus Christ. And this Christmas season, may we remember about when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I pray for each person that's here today. And Lord, I know there's some here that if they had to indicate on a card where they were in their life, they would say it's a time of darkness. It's darkness and it's pain. And they don't see any kind of light. Lord, in, the, in these moments, in this worship service, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts and bring comfort to their souls. And to let them know that you are the light that has come to dispel the darkness. And Lord, for those who have heard this message and said, I've never made a decision. I, I understand this thing that you're talking about, this gift that is available, but I've never accepted that gift. And Lord, I pray that today they would reach out and they would accept that gift. And just through a prayer of just praying and asking you to come into their heart, to know that with a genuine prayer like that, that you step into their life and all of a sudden the light of Christ is in their light and they are a transformed person moving towards a greater transformation. And that to know that at that moment they would be adopted into your family. I pray that today they would make that decision. So Father, speak to our hearts. Help us to live with a spirit and an attitude of thanksgiving for all that Jesus has done for us. And may we be thankful for the grace and the truth that he's given us. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.